Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. These are troubling times to be sure, with our nation and other countries fighting the pandemic. American cities are war zones. Abortion is celebrated. Religious liberty is under attack. The outcome of the election could lead America closer to socialism. And corruption among public officials is expected. Christians responded to these difficulties and threats with prayer, encouragement, and a call to repentance during a Rally for Jesus sponsored by the Illinois Family Institute. The rally was hosted by Calvary Church in Orland Park, where the Reverend Ron Sitlow serves as lead pastor. How do we engage in our culture, in our neighborhoods, and in our political world in this moment? And there's no doubt that this moment is increasingly filled with shadows and that the Christian church is being marginalized both because of its own sin and because of the world we live in. And this isn't a new story. This has happened before. And we have in our scriptures teachings that help us engage this world that we find ourselves in. And so uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul is speaking to this church and As he ends his letter, he says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in every circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So how do we engage in the next couple of months as we consider our choices to who we're going to vote for? How do we engage our neighbor? How do we engage the cultural drift, both in our own hearts and the hearts around us? And the first thing that Paul says is take delight in everything, always. Uh, Rejoicing is an act that you do with another act. Uh, You can't rejoice abstractly. You rejoice while you do the dishes. You rejoice while you serve your neighbor. And so what Paul is saying is that take delight in the work that is before you. And the reason for that is, is because everything works together for good. And so whatever is before us and to whatever schemes the enemy might have, both in our lives and the lives of the world around us, God is acting and God is moving and God will have his way. And so we delight in the work before us, not even for the fruit that we might or might not achieve, but because God will have the fruit that he desires and he will make it happen. And we partner with him knowing that only good will be the product of what he brings about. The second thing that Paul says, how do we engage, is that we pray without ceasing. The reason that we pray without ceasing is because prayer in the New Testament and the Old Testament is the primary means of accessing power. Power, kingdom power, is brought about in relationship with God. And so if we want to actually change and shift the world, uh, we do that in relation to God himself. Uh, The things that need to be touched and the things that need to be changed are things that are beyond human ability. We do not have the ability to change hearts 
or defeat principalities and powers. The things before us are actually beyond our power to do, but it is not beyond his power to move and to act. And so we pray because we understand that he has the power to move and shift the world. And he wants to, and he is able to, and he is looking for people who will partner with him. Now, I want to say something that's to think about. What if God does not act because we don't ask? And what if he doesn't act because the asking is about developing us into people who can actually bear power? And so the prayer becomes a furnace of transformation. And so the way that we move forward in the months ahead and the days ahead, both in our own lives, with our neighbors and our families and our country, is we go inward. We go into the hidden world. We go with God. And then we anticipate that God will act on our behalf. So we pray always. Then Paul says, be thankful in everything. Be thankful in everything. Well, how can you do that? How can you be thankful at the death of the unborn? How can you be thankful when right is wrong and wrong is right? How can you be thankful when the church is falling apart before us? It really is. The latest research, uh, since March, uh, a third of professing Christians have fallen off the face of the map as it relates to the church. We don't know where they're at. They're not engaging online. They're not coming to church. And what researchers think is that this is a catalytic moment that is quickening what has been happening for the last two decades, which is the church is shrinking. And these, this third were really just holding on because of relationships and traditions, and it reveals the state of their heart. Well, how can you be thankful for that? Well, in Revelation 19, we're in the book of Revelation right now in our church. Revelation 19 is the coming Christ, the coming king. And he comes and he conquers our enemies. And so the reason we stand in gratefulness or thankfulness is because the king is coming. And the lamb is now a lion. And all of his enemies will be trodden. And everything that is wrong will be set right. There will be no discussions. There will be no asking anymore. The king will do it. And that is why Christians throughout the ages have always been the most great-filled, thank-filled, joy-filled people because the king is coming. And then Paul just ends with, this is God's will. This is what he wants. This is what he wants from us. That we take delight in everything we do. That we understand that real power is in the hidden life with God, in our relationship with him. And that we're thankful for everything because our life is centered on the great hope that the king is coming. The church has always been at its best when it is focused on the return of the king and always been at its worst when it forgets. And we have forgotten, and it's time to remember. And as we do, the church will become a force to be reckoned with because the king will act on her behalf. And so, let's do this very thing. Let's pray through 1 Corinthians 5, 16 through 18. 
and ask the Lord to move on our behalf. Lord, we ask that you would cultivate in us joy, delight in the world that you have placed us in. We look at the many things before us, pandemics and unrest, immorality, and the coldness of heart of your church. And Lord, we are workers of the field and we desire to work with you. And so we take delight in the work. And I ask for everyone here that no one would grow weary in doing good. Lord, that you would instill in us a fire for your good. And that we would delight not in whether we win or lose, but because we are working with you. And that the project is yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And that vengeance is yours. And that the setting right of every wrong is yours. And we do our part and we ought to, Lord, but we place that work with you. And so we delight in the work we have. And Lord, we ask that this group of people, the pastors here, Lord, that you would cause in us to repent of the ways that we have used the power of the flesh to bring about the kingdom of the heavens. And Lord, I ask that a new fire of prayer would begin to burn in us that this would be the beginning of something in which we would come to you and we do come to you and we say to you father do you see do you see what is happening around us do you see how the church is being attacked do you see how the unborn are being destroyed do you see how marriage is being uprooted do you see what is happening to our children do you see how justice has been upturned do you see and we ask that you would move we ask that you would act do you see and Lord if you act we will praise your name and if we are brought down into the shadows of the grave who will be here to speak of your fame. And so we ask for the sake of your fame that you would move in our midst. Lord, we pray, like every generation before us, that revival would come into our midst. Lord, in the 18th century, in this nation that was becoming radically secular, the Great Awakening happened in our midst, and it decided the course of a nation for three centuries. And so, Lord, we pray again that you would awaken. There are so many desperate and hurting people. Lord, uh, suicides and addictions and marital conflicts all around us, even here. Lord, have mercy. Bring your grace and bring your mercy. Do it for your fame. And Lord, we ask that we would be thankful people. We would be people who live on the solid foundation that the king is returning. 
that we would no longer uh, act as if we are defeated or pressed against or defensive as people who are about to lose, but instead we stand in the assurance and the authority and the power that the king is returning. And we herald to the world that the time is drawing near and the time of choice is short and that each person must decide who is their king and we beg and we use every skill before us to encourage and exhort each person to claim Jesus as king. And Lord, we ask that you would put us in places of influence and authority for this very thing. And I pray for each person here, Lord, use us to herald the coming of the king. Use us in capitals and in homes, in lunch tables and in the political sphere. Lord, use us to herald the coming of the king, that we live in one kingdom, we are under the authority of one political realm, and that is the realm of Jesus the Christ. And we ask that you would send us out as regents for his glory and his fame so that many might turn towards him. And Father, we do this because this is what you want. You want us to delight in the work we have. You want us, Lord, to be thankful in everything because the King is coming. And Lord, I ask that we would get to work and obey you for the fame of the Son. Amen. Thank you. Pastor Ron Sitlau during the Rally for Jesus at Calvary Church in Orland Park. Pastor Cesar LaFleur also spoke at the rally his challenging remarks after this time out. This is Albert Mogler for townhall.com. The COVID-19 pandemic has done a lot to reveal the importance of the family. Over these past five months, we've seen a fascinating and revealing debate about the education of our children with new conversations about public and private schooling and, of course, new attention paid to homeschooling. We're seeing a lot of talk as well about justice and equality, about the role of parents and the structure of families. This revealing headline recently appeared in The New York Times. Every choice for parents contains potential risks or unfair advantages. Claire Kane Miller writes, quote, it's the newest front in America's parenting wars. And you can count on the fact now that parents are getting judged and criticized, as she says, quote, on message boards and in backyard meetups and virtual PTA meetings, end quote. But our pandemic has served to reveal that there's no structure, no program, no government intervention that can ever replace a functioning intact family with a mom and a dad. Family provides benefit. For that, we should be grateful and not ashamed and not ashamed to say it. I'm Albert Moeller. People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? Well, at Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Lana's story in her own words. I love getting the monthly share that I give to each month that has a name of a real person and their real medical concerns and a prayer request, you know, for them. That I get to interact with people from all over the country, just like me, and get to pray for them and know that they're praying for me when I have a need. It's great. I love it. 
Lana is just one of over 200,000 members who are sharing over $23 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. During this segment, we're highlighting remarks by the Reverend Cesar LaFleur during the recent Rally for Jesus at Calvary Church in Orland Park. Pastor LaFleur is on the board of the Illinois Family Institute. He's one of the founders of the Southland Coalition for Life and a local leader of the 40 Days for Life prayer campaign to end abortion. Before I bring you some challenges, I do want to start off by giving you some encouragement. And I remember the words of our Lord Jesus talking to his disciples in John chapter 16. He says, I tell you these things so that you can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But he said, but take heart, be encouraged because I have overcome the world. So I'm here to let you know today that no matter how dark the day might be, you can have peace. Even in the midst of a pandemic, you can have peace. Even in the midst of riots, you can have peace because the Bible has made a promise to us. He says, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Even in the midst of these dark times that we're living in, and these are crucial days that we're living in, I'm here to let you know, people of God, that we can have peace if we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and not be distracted by the things that appear, but look beyond this natural thing and see into the spirit world and see where the promises of Jesus reside when he says, I have overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, we shall overcome the world as well. Is there anybody here that's glad to hear that today? Even in the midst of the storm, you can have peace, great peace, perfect peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, we are really living in some challenging times. This week, I was without power the whole week. And I kind of cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, how much more can I stand? I've had to be shut in the house because somebody has come along and said that a virus is going to kill everybody. And so we had to shut everything down. I had just gotten married on New Year's Eve. Yeah, praise the Lord. And we came back to Chicago and we had another ceremony. I got married in Mississippi. My wife and I came back here and had another ceremony. But right after that, we were shut down and locked in the house. And I was with my brand new wife 24 hours a day, day after day after day after day. But all the other things that we've been going through, you know, we've had riots and we have all of these different things going on in politics and in our community. And it just made me think about how it was for David and the times that he was living in. I thought about David in Psalm chapter 11, because in that time period, we found that David was under a lot of pressure, similar to what we're under. You know, Saul was in power and he was ruling wickedly. There was, Saul was after him aggressively. He's running for his life. His friends came to him and said, man, you got to get out of here. You got to run. Your time is short. You better cut bait and run. But David started that 11th of Psalm off by saying, in thee, O Lord, I put my trust. In thee, O Lord, I put my trust. He says, why are you telling me to run? Why are you telling me to flee? 
But then in verse three, he asked an interesting question that I want to just share with us for a few moments today, because he said, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And the foundations that he was talking about then are the same foundations we're talking about right now. Those foundations, those principles, those things that we depended on, those things that were truth, those things that were righteous, those things that were holiness, all of those foundational principles, he says, when they are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? What are we going to build on? What are we going to do? What can we accomplish in a time such as this? And that challenge remains to us today because we can clearly see that all of the foundations are being destroyed. The foundation of truth is being destroyed. You know, I've heard it said that men will tolerate anything nowadays except the truth. You want to get somebody upset with you, tell them the truth. And how do you know how important truth is? Jesus said, for this cause I was sent, for this reason I came to testify to the truth. Truth is vitally important, but the foundation of truth is being washed away. There is no truth. Whatever's convenient for a person at that moment, that's what passes as truth nowadays. And so the foundation of truth is being destroyed. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Even the foundation of righteousness. This nation has turned its back on righteousness, and we've embraced a secular humanism that's leading us into the vast of destruction. You know, one of my heroes from history is Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass says, I have one theory when it comes down to politics. I have one ideology, and it's something I depend on all the time. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I'm here to let you know that righteousness is going to be what exalts our nation, but the foundation of righteousness is being wiped away. We've turned our back on righteousness and we have become that Romans one society where we've chosen not to maintain a knowledge of God in our memory and we've turned our back on them. Nowadays, everything is accepted except the gospel of Jesus Christ in our institutions. You can teach Islam in the schools, but you can't teach about Jesus Christ. They can burn Bibles, but you better not step on a Quran because people are turning their back on righteousness. You guys have heard about the foundation of the sanctity of life. It is gone. You know, I get an attitude with people sometimes when they get all upset because of all of the violence and murder in the streets. I say, if we don't protect the life of babies in the womb, how dare you assume that you're going to protect the sanctity of life in the streets? 65 million babies legally aborted in America since 1973. And as a black person, I'm appalled at it because I know it was designed and developed for us. The black population has decimated ourselves. 50% of our population is gone. For a period of time in New York, more black children were aborted than were actually born. 1,452 precious black lives are lost every day because the sanctity of life is no longer important. If you're gonna tell me that black lives matter and I'm gonna take you seriously, then I better see you respecting black life in the womb. If you're gonna write it in front of the White House, if you're gonna write it on the side of your buildings, then you better write it in front of Planned Parenthood and you better let them know that every one of these black lives is precious in the sight of God. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The family. That foundation is gone. In the black community, that foundation is gone. And we're seeing all of the negative consequences because of that. We're seeing what's going on now. Can I tell you something that's gonna shock you? And I'm revealing a little information about my own people. 
Did you know that a black child had a better chance of growing up with a mother and father doing slavery than he does right now? Right now, because the black family has been decimated. 72% of black children are born out of wedlock. There's no father present in the home because the foundation of the family has been destroyed. And it's not just us, y'all families, white families are the same way. The families are in decline. These foundations are being destroyed. But the question is, what can the righteous do? Well, I'm gonna leave you with this, is that I believe that not all of the foundational destruction is happening from the devil. I believe that God is shaking some things up as well. And God is crushing some foundations because they were built improperly. God is shaking some things up and shaking some things out because God wants to let us see that what we have been building our hope on is not a firm foundation. There is no firmer foundation outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is telling us this is what you're going to have to go back to because those things that you've depended on are not dependable. You know what? Here's a perfect illustration of it right here. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus was saying that any church that's built on the foundation of faith in me is indestructible. You hear me? Indestructible. Nothing that the devil can do can destroy it. But along comes the governor and says that you are not allowed to go in the church. That ain't the church. That's just a building where the church goes into every once in a while. This is the church of Jesus Christ right here. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Wherever two or three of us will come together in his name, it could be in a parking lot. It could be on the street corner. It could be in, a, in an alley. No matter where it is, that becomes the church because we are the incarnational ecclesia. We are the presence of God in the world. Don't let anybody fool you. You can outlaw these things. Go ahead on. Take your tax exemptions back. Go ahead on. The church of Jesus Christ will still go forward. Amen. I'm going long. I'm sorry because this got good to me. So I'm going to put it up. But we have to build on some better foundations because the church of Jesus Christ is the answer for this world. Listen, in Mark chapter 9, the disciples were asking Jesus, they said, listen, why isn't it that we can't, you know, deliver this child from this demon? Why can't this come out? Jesus says, well, some things only come out through prayer and fasting. The foundations that we're going to have to rebuild upon are going to have to be the foundation of our faith principles. And the number one is going to have to be that we're going to have to repent and pray that God would send a spiritual awakening into this nation and that God will send a revival into this church. Because I tell you what, no matter what else we do, it's not going to stop until the spirit of God comes along and sweeps across this nation, sweeps across this state, sweeps across this city, sweeps this, the presence of God comes and shake us up and wake us up and the Holy Spirit fall on us and he changes us and he transforms us in his presence and he takes away the appetite for those wicked things and he gives us an appetite for those things which are righteous, holy, and good. That's what we need the Spirit of God to do for us. And I tell you what, when God does that, Washington won't be able to stand. Springfield won't be able to stand. City Hall won't be able to stand against the power of God's resurrected church. Rise up church and be the presence that God is calling for us to be in these evil days. So I'm going to pray now because I feel second gear coming along and I can be up here all day. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God just for that. First of all, I'm going to pray for you.
And I'm going to pray that God would keep you and that he would keep you encouraged because the enemy wants to, like he said, sift you like wheat. He wants to make you discouraged. He wants to make you give up. He wants to make you hold your head down. He wants to make you give up hope. But don't give up hope. Jesus is our hope. And we are the hope bearers for the world. The world is looking for hope in all the wrong places, but God has given us the answer. The answer for the problems in the world is the kingdom of God. And so I'm praying that God would keep you encouraged and then God would give you an extra anointing of his Holy Spirit that would give you boldness. What would it be like if the church of Jesus Christ got bold and stood up and said, I don't care what you think about me. For God, I'll live and for God, I will die. That God would give you a boldness to speak out whether it's convenient or not. I don't care if they want to hear it. It's the truth and you're going to hear it anyhow. Because you're held captive and it's the truth that's going to set you free. That God would give you a boldness to declare the truth. And then God would start a revival in his church. An awakening in his church. <laughs> that we would rise up like power. Rise up with authority. Rise up and take our places in society. And declare what is right and what is true and live like the people of God. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your great love and your great faithfulness towards us. You are a faithful God and you abide in faithful. And Father, we need to depend on that because right now, in the midst of a faithless society, we need to lean on your faith, on your presence, on your strength, on your love, on your mercy. We need you now. So, Father, I pray for these people that are here today. This is your church. Look at your church, O oh God, and be pleased at them, how we're out here raising up the sacrifices of praise and how we're worshiping you and how we're declaring the gospel of your son, Jesus, how we're seeking you first and your righteousness, your kingdom. Father, look at them and be pleased with them. But then, Father, I also pray that you would bless them, give them an extra anointing, that you would give them a double portion of your spirit, that it would blow across us like a fresh wind, that it would revive us, that it would invigorate us and that it would refocus our hope and that you would give us courage and that you would give us an anointing of boldness oh God that you would amplify our voices and that you would amplify our footsteps do for us like you did for those lepers that walked toward the enemy camp only four of them but you amplified their footsteps so loud that the enemy thought it was a million people coming and they got up and ran chase the enemy away from in front of us oh God and give us open passage to fulfill our destiny in your kingdom Father, I pray for an awakening among the people of God. Holy Spirit, people need salvation. People need to be saved. People need to be transformed and changed. We need an Isaiah 6 kind of moment where we come into your presence and we realize how undone we are and how wicked we are, but that you would take from the altar the coals and touch our lips and that you would purge us and transform us and change us in your presence to be more like you, O oh God. And then that others would come to know you in the pardon of their sin. And, oh, God, that you would give us a revival in the church. God, would you redirect your church? Father, we've gotten so distracted on superficial things. Father, we're so hung up on things that don't even matter. Oh, God, help us to understand that if it's not about the kingdom of God, if it's not advancing Jesus Christ, oh, God, just take it away from us and help us to focus clearly in on you. Amen. Father, I pray for Illinois family and for those who are connected with us, that you would continue to give us courage to be able to proclaim the truth in such a wicked state. I pray for all of those righteous people that are running for election. Oh God, would you move out some of the wicked ones? Because you said that when the wicked are in power, the people mourn. But you said when the righteous rule, it does well for the city. And would you let righteous people take those positions? And Father, would you through us turn our nation back to you? Father, we need you right now, oh God. Father, we trust you, Lord, and we are not afraid. 
We're not afraid of the pandemic. We're not afraid of the riots. We're not afraid of the politics because we trust in you. Thank you so much for this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Cesar LaFleur at the recent Rally for Jesus at Calvary Church in Orland Park. Our thanks to Pastor Ron Sitlau and the leadership at Calvary for hosting the rally, which was sponsored by the Illinois Family Institute. Be sure to check the IFI YouTube channel and IFI homepage for video highlights of the rally. And please consider becoming a volunteer for IFI's Prayer and Action Team. Go to IllinoisFamily.org and click the Gideon's Army tab. Also, register to vote or update your registration. Encourage your church to hold a voter registration drive. Also, order copies of the IFI Nonpartisan Voter Guide. Go to IllinoisFamily.org. IllinoisFamily.org. Please invest in the work of IFI. All donations are tax deductible. And tell your family and friends about Illinois Family Spotlight. Until next time, pray for America. Stay safe, stay active, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.